Chapter Ten of Peggy Raymond's Way, or Blossom Time at Friendly Terrace, by Harriet Lemis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, Mistress and Maid. A careworn, anxious expression had come to be so much at home on Priscilla's countenance that it did not surprise Peggy to look from her window one Saturday morning and see priscilla approaching her face so lined by worry as to suggest that the heaviest responsibilities rested on her shoulders as she was quite unconscious of peggy's observation she did not make her usual effort to smile and appear natural i wish i knew what ailed that girl thought peggy studying priscilla's changed countenance with a heartsick concern she looks years older than she did six months ago and i can't make out whether she's sick or just unhappy and the worst of it is that one can't get a thing out of her but in this particular instance peggy was to have no reason to complain of priscilla's reticence as priscilla raised her heavy eyes and saw her friend's face at the window her own face brightened and she quickened her steps peggy hurried to the door and flung it open with an unreasonable hope that this interview would end the mystery which had baffled her for so long but the perplexity priscilla had come to confide was too recent to explain her worried air through the months past. She was hardly in the house before she burst out, "'Peggy, I'm in an awful pickle.' "'What's the matter? Can I help?' "'I wonder if you would lend me Sally.' "'Sally?' repeated Peggy in accents of astonishment. For the maid of all work in the Raymond household was a possession of which few people were envious. Whether Sally was really weak-minded was a question on which a difference of opinion was possible but there was no possible doubt of her talent for doing the wrong thing at the right time or else vice versa the right thing at the wrong time her one redeeming feature was her amiability but as this frequently took a conversational turn it was not without its drawbacks that any of her friends would want to borrow sally or that any household but their own would put up with the blundering good-natured apology for a domestic servant had never entered peggy's head Sally she repeated still in a tone of mystification of course you can have her if you want her but whatever it is she'll do it wrong i suppose she could open the door for a caller couldn't she why she can open a door as a rule but just now she's got a toothache and her head is tied up in a red flannel so unless the callers are people of strong nerves they may be startled oh dear priscilla's acceptance of this bit of information was so suggestive of tragedy that peggy was more puzzled than ever who is the caller she demanded and why in the world do you want sally well it's quite a story peggy you know mother's away this week and martha's having her vacation and father and i are taking our meals at the lindsay's and last evening horace hitchcock called and it seems that an aunt of his is in town oh said peggy she made desperate efforts to act just as usual when horace's name was mentioned but under such circumstances she invariably felt as if a thick curtain had dropped between her friend and herself horace hitchcock's aunt she repeated trying valiantly to speak naturally is she his mother's sister or his father's neither one she's his father's aunt and of course she is quite old and very rich and it seems she's coming out to call on me to call on you peggy exclaimed how interesting but that adjective registered an exception to peggy's usual frankness had she spoken her real feelings she would have said how dreadful 
for a call from the young man's great-aunt seemed to imply that the young man's intentions were serious and recognized by the family horace and priscilla peggy stifled a groan and you see the fix i'm in priscilla was explaining disconsolately of course she's used to butlers and everything and here i've got to open the door myself peggy listened wonderingly for even if horace hitchcock had been an entirely different young man the necessity for opening the door to his great-aunt would not have impressed her as a tragedy priscilla's intuition told her what was passing through the other girl's mind and she spoke a little fretfully of course it's silly to mind peggy but i do mind just the same mrs duncan has a houseful of servants and she thinks of women who answer their own doorbell as we think of women who take in washing priscilla's feeling of resentment at peggy was enhanced by her own wonder at herself the glamour which had surrounded horace in the first renewal of their childish acquaintance had quite disappeared and yet she could not bear the thought that horace's great-aunt might look down upon her sally wouldn't be the least bit of good peggy declared even if it wasn't for the red flannel just when i want sally to be on her good behaviour she does some perfectly unheard-of thing when do you expect mrs duncan oh sometime this forenoon horace thought about eleven and that's another thing that puzzles me exclaimed priscilla unhappily i ought to dress up do you think as long as i'm expecting a call i'd wear my blue serge if i were you blue serge is always safe and besides you look awfully well in that dress and you need not worry about the maid i'm it why peggy what do you mean don't insult me by asking for sally and then pretending that i won't do i've got a black dress and a cute little ruffled apron and i'm just aching to try my hand at one of those fetching caps the maids wear in the movies but peggy suppose horace should come with his aunt you don't expect him do you no i'm sure he didn't plan to come last evening but he might change his mind we'll keep on the lookout if we see a lady arriving with a young man in tow i'll roll my cap and apron into a bundle and put them under my arm then i'll be your friend peggy raymond making a morning call but if the lady is alone i'm margaret the maid priscilla was hardly arrayed in her blue serge when peggy arrived and the two girls inspected each other admiringly the plainness of the blue serge set off the long lines of priscilla's slender graceful figure while the little frilled nonsensical cap gave a charm to peggy's mischievous face you look like a queen peggy declared and you're darling in that cap i'm afraid she'll suspect something the minute she sees you mistress and maid were sitting comfortably side by side in the dining-room when the door-bell rang peggy started to her feet but priscilla clutched her arm don't go far will you peggy i don't want to appear to be eavesdropping ma'am nonsense you can pretend to be dusting something out here i don't want you to go away priscilla was experiencing a panic at the thought of being left to the tender mercies of horace hitchcock's great-aunt she needed the close proximity of peggy to give her confidence horace had not accompanied mrs duncan she stood upon the steps a little withered woman rather elaborately dressed and she inspected peggy through her lorgnette is miss combs in she inquired after finishing her leisurely scrutiny i think so madam please walk in peggy ushered the caller into the front room and brought a tray for her card her cheeks had flushed under mrs duncan's inspection the small beady eyes in the wrinkled face had a curiously piercing quality and she wondered uneasily whether this remarkable old woman could possibly have recognized that she was only masquerading she carried the card upstairs to priscilla who had retreated to her room the prey of nerves and brought back word that miss combs would be down in a few minutes then she retired to the adjoining room and began on her dusting 
she was not sorry priscilla had insisted that she be near for she was extremely curious to hear what the visitor was going to say priscilla followed peggy in something like half a minute and greeted her caller sweetly though with some constraint mrs duncan looked on her approvingly you're not as pretty as i expected was her disconcerting beginning in the next room peggy gasped priscilla drew herself up and blushed crimson i meant to say explained the terrible old woman is that you're not as pretty as i expected but much handsomer i took it for granted horace would admire some namby-pamby with a doll's face i suppose you know you're a very striking type don't you i can't say i've thought much about it prevaricated priscilla and you're going to college continued mrs duncan what's your idea in that i suppose you know that if you marry horace you ought not to know too much really mrs duncan but priscilla's caller was off at a tangent you've got a nice-looking maid have you any brothers no replied priscilla mechanically i'm an only child when you're married miss combs take an old woman's advice and never have an attractive maid about the house my married life of twenty years was reasonably successful explained mrs duncan complacently and i lay it all to my habit of selecting maids who were either cross-eyed or else pock-marked priscilla felt that she hated her but as she struggled to conceal her inhospitable emotion her visitor inquired blandly what do you and horace talk about about oh about all sorts of things priscilla wondered if ever in her life she had appeared as inane and stupid as on this momentous occasion i can't understand him you know explained mrs duncan rubbing her nose sometimes i think it's because i'm a fool and sometimes i think it's because he's a fool i dare say you felt the same uncertainty but we'd better talk of something else so you won't look too conscious when he arrives arrives repeated priscilla blankly yes he's to lunch with me downtown he suggested that i would enjoy taking him to what's the name of the place oh well he'll know perhaps he'll join us priscilla declined fervently without saying it in so many words she gave the impression that she had a most imperative engagement for the afternoon as she voiced her stammering refusal she felt like a criminal on the verge of exposure for when the bell rang peggy would answer it and horace would at once recognize that priscilla's attractive maid was no other than priscilla's bosom friend but peggy dusting industriously in the adjoining room had overheard the news that had carried consternation to priscilla's soul and acted upon the hint with characteristic promptness a moment later she appeared in the doorway waiting unobtrusively till priscilla looked in her direction and then she said respectfully miss priscilla priscilla struggled to play her part yes margaret i haven't done the marketing yet if you can spare me for a little while i'll attend to it certainly margaret replied priscilla with boundless relief as peggy disappeared mrs duncan leaned forward and tapped priscilla's knee i tell you she's too good to be true she insisted she's too pretty too well-mannered there's something wrong somewhere don't trust her and priscilla had to conquer the impression that it was her friend peggy who was being slandered before she could assume the nonchalant manner suited to the statement that they had always found margaret a most trustworthy girl horace arrived some fifteen minutes after peggy's departure and his apologies to his great-aunt were more profuse than his slight tardiness called for indeed as priscilla watched his manner toward the domineering old lady she was unpleasantly reminded that mrs duncan was a rich widow and that horace might cherish the hope of inheriting at least a portion of her wealth priscilla had all the contempt of a normal american girl for a fortune-hunter 
and her lover had never appeared to less advantage in her eyes than in his obvious efforts to please his eccentric relative in her revolt from horace's methods she went a little too far in the other direction and her manner as she parted from her guest was frigid rather than friendly mrs duncan's call was the first indication that horace's people were aware of his intentions and priscilla had a not unreasonable feeling of resentment at being inspected to see if she would do although the door had been opened for mrs duncan by a correctly appointed maid priscilla was miserably conscious that the call had not been a success and that her unfavorable impression of horace's great-aunt was probably returned by that terrible old person with something to spare end of chapter ten